welcome to the Universal Sisterhood Podcast. We're hoping to create a place where women can delve deeper, lift their gaze higher, live freer, laugh louder, smile brighter, and be the authentic woman she was designed to be. Every human heart is created to be known, loved, and understood. So this is the place where women can share their stories. Welcome to episode 71. In today's episode, I chat with the relationship counsellor, Megan Kozak. She has a um, counselling business in Queensland called Lighthouse Counselling. And she um, offers a lot of beautiful insights and wisdom to me personally. Um, We discuss, well, I take a deep dive into my own uh, healing, I suppose, um, and look at how our wounds that are formed when we're very young, uh, if, if they're not addressed, if they're not healed, we carry them. They, they, they go on a journey with us through all the seasons of our lives. And just watching it unfold um, in my children's lives, I can see um, and reflect on where those wounds popped up throughout my life. And um, it's never too late to address them, to heal them, to seek healing for them. Uh, we go on a really beautiful journey and discussion about that. So um, we, we look at the, the fact that every woman has deep in her heart, in her soul, that battle um, that goes from the ideal of Mary um, and the fallen Eve and how we, we desire to be Mary, but our Eve parts of us bring us down and the fact that we need to be gentle with Eve, the Eve within us, because she wants to be the Mary within us. Um, So I I hope that makes sense and um, I hope you enjoy this episode. But before you um, get into the conversation, I really, really want to wish you all a beautiful Christmas and just create a really safe place in your heart for the infant Jesus to lay his head because he wants to rest right there in your heart. He wants to come to your heart to bring restoration to those broken places that we all have. So create a space for him this Christmas and see you in the new year. Don't forget surprised by joy start taking your pictures of things that bring you joy every single day have a wonderful happy and holy christmas with your family and friends before we begin would you like to tell us who you are and what your life looks like right now I'd love to. Thanks for having me. Well, my name is Megan Kozak. I am the co-founder and director of an organization called Lighthouse Relationships Psychology and Counseling, which Mm -hmm. is a psychology and counseling practice in Brisbane. And at the moment, I'm pretty busy. So I have got two little girls who are seven and nine working on this business, working with a whole lot of couples all around Australia and just really loving what I'm doing right now. Wonderful. Now, um, 
I really wanted to talk to you because I've seen you pop up a few times on my Instagram feed and you had some beautiful um, messages for women and for couples um, on there. And I thought, aha, this is somebody I want to talk to. Um, I have six children. And we're not, we're not gonna we're not gonna have a counseling session on this. <laughs> but I just I thought I want to pick your brain because I have a um, I've got six children, so the ages range from 22 almost down to seven. And amazing. Well, I don't know. I'm I'm getting there. Not not amazing, but I'm getting through life. Um, (laughs) They're they're still functioning children, (laughs) I think. Um, But I have noticed I've got four girls and... um, just watching them grow up and interact and find themselves, you know, find where they fit in life. And I have um, teens and preteens and just my heart, I have a real heart. My heart is, is I live through my heart, um, which I have grown to love and appreciate. I used to before think I was too emotional or too, you know, too lofty. Um, but I now see it as a great gift. Um, and I have noticed my 10-year-old, who is at that stage where she d- doesn't quite know where she fits in, um, in the family, in relationships, in friendships, um, and just, you know, her body, everything. And I, I could just see the cogs starting to turn and the lies that she's starting to believe about herself, about others. And it broke my heart. And I thought, oh, my goodness, how? Because me now, I'm, um, I still believe lies about myself, but I have kind of gone on a journey and I'm now 45 and have tried to um, catch him out in the, you know, catch the enemy out yeah. when he starts to plant seeds of doubt in my mind. And I can see that. I thought about myself as a 10-year-old and what did I believe about myself back then and how did those beliefs carry out to during my teenage years, during my 20s, during being a mother, I can see it. I can see how it's played out in my um, working life. I can see how it's played out in relationships, in friendships, in my marriage. And I just wanted to know how can you stop that or how, how do you navigate somebody through that with not so much collateral damage <laughs> to, to minimise the damage that it does to themselves and to, to others? And I know you can't stop it um, fully. Yeah. Um, but I thought I really wanted to talk to you to see whether you could give us or give the women tools that they can use to try and navigate um, the the wounds that we carry and how we um, how those impact our relationships and how we can kind of navigate through life. <laughs> Absolutely, and isn't that just enormous? Like even as we unpack the question around it, it's just mm-hmm. it almost feels overwhelming to even unpack it and say it because there's just so many layers to it. It's just so much and so true and I'm, I'm right there with you Jessica I have a nine-year-old and she's mm. just at that point of 
discovering the world and all of the joys and all of the heartbreaks that come with it. And as a parent, you just want to protect them. You just want to wrap them up and say, it's okay. I'll just keep telling you that I love you and that you're beautiful and that you're clever and funny and wonderful. But then they get these other messages from the world and that makes it really challenging, so hard and heartbreaking. I think that there's a, look, there's a few different things there. So we're just going to, we're just going to work our way through. Okay. We'll just yeah, start it a few and see how we go. Okay. So yeah. I think one of the things is that our, our children, but our daughters, especially, they look to us to see what it looks like to be a woman. And I see that happening all the time. Ever since they were, they try on your shoes, they grab your hats, they put your handbags on and they clump around the house. They come in and watch you as you're getting ready in the morning. They listen to you more than you listen to yourself. So if you are speaking out of your fear or your wounding about your body, your work, your marriage, they are absorbing that because they are learning what it looks like to be a woman in this world from the woman that they most admire and most trust. And that is a profoundly beautiful and terrifying thing because we just, we walk around with our own woundings and we try really hard not to impart those to our kids, but it can be really difficult when they're within us. And so it's really interesting to see little mirrors of ourselves walking around and discovering what it is that we think about the world by the way that they're talking about it. And so I think that is step one. The first thing that you can absolutely control or attempt to control is to be aware of what it is that you are putting out there in your own home, in the space where they are, you, you are their first teachers, the space where they are learning what it looks like to live in this world, it's you. So if you want them to talk kindly about their body, you need to talk kindly about yours. And if you want them to understand what it looks like to have a meaningful connection and conversation or how to solve conflict in a way that is mutually respectful, you need to model that for them. Otherwise, they're learning it from someone else. Mm. So all of these things that can sometimes go awry because of our woundings, we step in first and foremost and try to pave the way wherever we can. And that, I mean, it sounds easy to say. It sounds like a lovely thing to say, but it's so hard so hard in the midst of life to be able to go, okay, that's right. I'm on, I'm on 24 seven. I'm, I'm being a model. I'm showing them what it looks like to live here and be in this space and love yourself mm. and to acknowledge the lies that come to you and learn how to hear them and then let them go because they are not truth and they will not stick to you. And so that takes time and work. How does, does that all make sense so far? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was thinking as you were saying that um, mirrors of yourself, well, I've got four, mm. four mirrors and they each show different aspects yeah. of, yeah, they're not all the same. No, like, absolutely. Differently in, in each of their eyes I can, and I can see good things and bad things coming out, reflecting back, and that's frightening. Yes, and of course they're their own people. By no means am I saying they're going to be little carbon copies of various personality traits. They're their own little personalities as they come to the fore, but, yeah, they do when when they reflect things back. And I look at my kids sometimes, I'm like, where did you hear that? I'm like, oh, from me. You heard that from me. Okay, all right, that's, whew, that's challenging. That's confronting. I need to change this so that we are moving forward in a way that makes sense. And I think that's really hard if we haven't done the work ourselves to unpack our own woundings. Yeah. We might have a Band-Aid over it or we might be thinking it's just fine. 
but then something will happen and all of a sudden we will be absolutely just, oh, it just feels like a, a punch to the heart. You know, it just feels like something's absolutely hit you out of nowhere. And you think, oh, why am I feeling so abandoned or forgotten or betrayed or lost? You know, why am I feeling this big, heavy emotion from something, some little situation that seemingly would be fairly insignificant, that you're having a big response to it? It's just a little cue. Our emotions are like a compass. They point towards something that has or hasn't yet been healed. And so... Our emotions are a compass. Yes, absolutely. So if you're having a big emotional response, don't squash it down. Listen to it. Let it be there. It's trying to tell you something. If you're feeling angry, upset, frustrated, hysterical, what is it pointing to that's historical? What is it that's there? that allows you to go, okay, there's something here. This is bigger than it needs to be in this space. If I was to look at this as an outsider, my response, my reaction is bigger than what would normally fit here. There's something Mm -hmm. under there. And you might know straight away what it is. You might know, yep, of course, that makes total sense. I remember when I was 15 and this happened or when I was seven and that happened and you can just connect the dots. But sometimes you can't. Sometimes you sort of sit there and think, oh, gosh, what is it? So uh, let me give you an example. Do we tend to blame somebody else before looking yes. at us? Yes, absolutely. 100%. Yes, I love that you said that. Yes, yeah. almost every time, right? We look at us, we look at what are you doing to me? What, you yes, know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you hadn't said that, if you hadn't done that, I wouldn't be responding this way. Yeah. I'm totally rational. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And it can be the funny thing. So I've been with my lovely husband now for 17 years, and I remember when we were dating, he would laugh at my jokes right? And that is just, it's so innocuous. And of course you want people to do that. But I thought he was making fun of me when he laughed at my jokes. I thought he was kind of, it was like a pity laugh because Mm. I had this story in my head that I just wasn't funny, you know, for whatever reason. And I just, so every time he kind of had, like, I'd make like a funny comment or a witty remark or whatever it was, or crack a joke, he'd crack up and be like, you're hilarious. I'm like, could you, could you not, it makes me feel really uncomfortable. And I was sort of there blaming. I'm like, could you stop with the pity laughing? It's really not my, my gig. Um, Yeah, I'm not funny and I know it and we can all just move on. Okay. And he's like, actually, you have a really good sense of humor. You're a delight. You can do all these things. He's like, where is this coming from? And I had to kind of sit there for a while and go, I have no idea. And then as I was kind of walking myself back through the stories, like it was a story I'd held for decades that I was not funny, I was not interesting, you know. Mm. And so walking myself back and I just remembered this silly little moment when I was about 14 and I had gone to this ice cream place with all of the cool girls and some of the cool boys from another school for all they're trying to impress us, you know, each other and getting cold rock ice cream. And I remember just being so nervous and I was a real perfectionist. So I didn't want to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. And, you know, it was all a bit much. And so I just, I just didn't really say very much at all. I was just too nervous to really say anything. And I remember getting to the end of the night and one of these cooler kind of girls came over and was like, you're really quiet, aren't you? In fact, you're kind of too quiet. You're sort of boring. And for whatever reason, as a 14 year old, it just like, pierced everything and I was like oh my gosh oh my gosh I must be boring okay and for whatever reason that had just cut this little seed of a nugget from a throwaway line that someone had said 20 plus years ago and I had just held on to that and decided oh gosh I guess I must be boring and certainly not funny mm. and it took just a little bit of unpacking to go to that moment and go hang on a second that was a lie that was a lie that was told to me 
by the enemy through this little 14 year old girl who decided in that moment that really know me. of course not she doesn't know me she doesn't know you know we're not friends you know not anything and it's just those little moments where we go back and sometimes we just have to untangle that knot and go this is a lie i've believed for a really long time where did it come from how can i untangle that back into a straight line again and go actually do you know what i have a lot to offer this world i am funny enough I am interesting enough. I am kind enough and beautiful enough. I can bring something to this space. But that's really hard to do if you've got that knot, that wounding from earlier on. Yeah. I, as you're saying that, I um, just in the last, I don't know, month, um, uh, school, I'm a teacher, primary school teacher, and school has wrapped up for the year. And um, I was asked whether or not I wanted to do more days next year. And I, um, I thought, oh, okay, yep, sounds good. Anyway, I took it. I thought I'll just run it by my husband. <laughs> um, and so it was either more days or less than I'm doing now. So oh, okay. Thought, yeah. So the choice was to do more or less. I couldn't do the same amount. And I was talking to him, and I thought I should do probably should do them more days. And he said, why? He said. Um, why do you want to do that? You've got, you know, you've got family at home and you don't need to go out and work more. And I thought, why am I doing that? Like I have, I've got a family to work for, you know, to, to, to run, a household to run. I've got children to look after. And I realised that my whole, because I got married young, so I finished my degree and... I didn't even work full-time ever. I'd never worked full-time. Actually, I have never worked full-time. But in my head, the lie is I am not good enough if I'm not working because motherhood isn't good enough. You know, motherhood doesn't, you're not contributing to society enough. Mm -hmm. And it, he said, when he said to me, I don't want you to work more. You know, you don't, why are you doing that? You don't need to do that. And I thought, actually, I'm doing it for you. And if you don't want me to, then why am I doing it? Yes. <laughs> and it's only taken how many years? I don't know, 25 years, or I don't know, more, 27 years yeah. to realize I actually don't, I'm not defined by working more. I'm actually, meant to be a mother at home and look after what I have in front of me and that is enough and it's not we don't have to I'm not defined by how many hours I work yes but here Absolutely. I am still still struggling with that so yeah it takes a lifetime doesn't it it takes a lifetime oh my gosh absolutely but I think I you have to name it yes but I love that you were able to get to the point and name name what it was you're like oh I think I think I get value from this. I think my perceived value is through the number of hours I work. Yeah. And I think sometimes you've got to voice it or write it down or name it. Get it out of this swirly, messy feeling that you have and lay it out and just go, okay, when I look at that in the light of day, is that a good enough reason? Is it true? Is it right? Is it real? Yeah. Is that actually a reason? And I think there's a cue in there because I heard you say the word should. And as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, red flag, red flag, red flag. 
I think that. What that's did I say? Yeah. I don't even know. <laughs> just should. You're just like, oh, I probably should do that. I probably should work yeah. the more, you know extra hours. Oh, as soon as that word comes in, I just I want to just stop everything and just go hold it, hold it. Should is coming from something external. That is not coming from the God who abides within you. A should is coming from a family of origin expectation, a societal connotation around what is worthy and good, some story you've told yourself from many years or decades ago. A should is something that is creeping towards you, bringing something that is not coming from within you. And wow. so that's a really useful thing to notice. It's a red oh, flag. Everyone, welcome to my council. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I can see that because, yeah. yeah, I never felt validated enough being because I was a young mum and it was like, oh, gosh, you're young to be a mum. Haven't you worked yet? Haven't you, you know, and that that in my ear constantly or after, I've, when are you going back to work? You know, don't you feel, when are you going to do your thing? <laughs> okay. So I've had the year from, like, the busiest year of my life, 2021, and it was consumed by outside work, paid work, which doesn't bring you um, satisfaction, does not, does not define you. It just is actually a, a chain. And I know work is necessary. We need money and, you know, people need to live. But... Um, it can't define you. And I am so glad I've seen it now. I should have seen it years ago. Oh, absolutely. And I think there's different callings for different women, you know. And mm. so I, the should for me, was growing up, you know, in a family of origin where I felt as though my mum just worked like an inordinate number of hours and was away many months out of the year and that sort of thing, flying around the world and doing all sorts of wonderful things. Very intelligent and capable woman. And I was like, okay, well, when I have children, I am going to do the opposite because that's what we do. We learn from our family of origin and we decide we're either going to repeat it or rebel against it. We swing on this pendulum from the things that we've discovered and grown up in. And I was like, oh, well, I'm, I'm against that. I'm going to be at home. I'm going to be this earth mother. Just watch me now. I'm going to be glorious. You know, I'm just, I'm going to nail everything. Um, and I just found it incredibly hard. I found it so incredibly difficult. So mm. I took... I'd been working full time and excelling in my career and loving it and then just stopped and was on maternity leave with these beautiful children at two different times and just was loving them and loving it but also just feeling like I just don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I am designed to be a full-time stay-at-home mum. I just more power to the people who are because I think you are exceptional if you're listening and that is your calling and you're doing it beautifully. I just take my hat off to you a hundred times over because it is just the hardest job to do. And I remember getting to a point and saying to my husband and going, I just, I just don't think I can do it. I just don't think I have the strength or capacity to do it. I think I need to be here, but I also need to be working as well. I also need to be using this part of my drive and desire. And I was able to find a bit of a happy medium between the two, which was a gift, but I had to let go of that should and thinking as I was going off to work, Megan, you're a terrible mother. Everything that you said you were going to do, you're now dropping what's going on. But I just sort of had to, yeah, yeah, that's it. Just had to go, okay, no, I'm, I'm here to be the best, happiest, most fulfilled, valuable mother I can be. And that doesn't necessarily fit with the image that I had in mind to start with. And that's okay. 
Yeah. Isn't it beautiful though that you can, we all have a different fear. Yes. It's different. And only when we say yes fully to what we're called to be do we become fully alive. Yes. Um, and that's different for everybody. Yeah. Um, when you were talking about the pendulum, can I just, mm. I, um, I don't know whether it will fit in here, but there's a quote that I discovered by Edith Stein. And she says here that every woman has something in herself inherited from Eve and she must search for the way from Eve to Mary. And that, and that pendulum that you were talking about, or not, so we either sw we swing towards Mary, who is our ideal, or we swing to Eve, who is, you know, where our wounds come from, our woundedness. Um, I just thought we could talk into that a little bit, because I think that is the battle that we face, is, is going from Eve to Mary, and yeah. then vice versa. <laughs> Absolutely. I think it's such a beautiful quote. I love that you found it. I've not heard it before. It's lovely. Mm. I think it's interesting too. I think, yeah, Mary is our ideal, connected, a, a strong fiat, knowing what God is calling her to do and walking towards that with courage and faith. You know, that is who we want to be. And Eve, I think we need to have a little grace as we talk about her because we're all her. And so she's not malicious, she's not evil, she's not out to destroy, she's mm. just broken, she's mm. just wounded, just like we are. And we just, when we walk in our brokenness, we hurt people. There's a beautiful mm. phrase, hurt people, hurt people. It's just mm. what happens sometimes and we just act out of our woundedness. And so I think that when we're walking in a moment or a season where we feel like we're more like Eve, We've got to start with compassion and go, okay, mm. we're doing this not out of malice, but because we're feeling hurt or broken, let's start there. What's mm. the wound? What's the wound and how do we bring it into the light? We have to be gentle with those Eve parts of ourselves. Yes. Because that gentleness is what brings restoration. Like we can't be, we can't, you know, that harshness brings a hardness. I think. Yes. So we need to be gentle with Eve. Like yes. I love what about being compassionate. If she needs our, she, because we have her, we need to be gentle. Otherwise we, we just, we turn off, like we, we become hardened. Yeah. Um, we don't live from, a, from a, a soft, malleable heart. Yeah, absolutely. And we just become more um, defensive, more mm. shut off from the world, more fearful, that what we're going to do is wrong, critical yeah. of ourselves and others. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So we need to walk into that space, understanding that it's holy ground. You know how do we how do we do that? Oh, it's so hard. Um, it's it's so hard. It takes it takes time and compassion and really good people around you yeah. who you can trust and be vulnerable with. You know, that's so important. And I think especially women who you can be vulnerable with. Yeah. So I am. Oh, I'm just such an advocate for women supporting women in this space. It doesn't matter if it's one beautiful friend, if it's a sister, if it's a mother-in-law, if it's 12 of your closest buddies, doesn't matter who, but people who you feel safe enough to be broken with mm. because you need to bring it into the light. I think mm. we live in this, this age of competition and comparison 
And that's mm-hmm. what I see happening with little girls, you know, as mm-hmm. they're coming through this space. And you think about us as we were growing up, we still have these fears and worries based on competition and comparison, but we weren't comparing ourselves to Instagram filtered people who we were seeing on a daily basis. Like our comparisons were still a little bit real, whereas theirs are almost beyond idealistic. So that's, oh, that's going to be rough. I think there's going to be a lot of work there as we go through. Um, But I think we need to have... hear these girls... Entirely. My daughter was working... Um, she did her last prep at the mental health unit at a big children's hospital in Sydney. Yeah. And um, she said, Mom, it's just so sad. Most of them are in there for eating disorders and um, mental health um, things that have been exacerbated by social media. Yeah. And they're trying to be perfect and we're not perfect. Uh-huh. <laughs> no one is. No one is. That's exactly right. And we we walk around with that. And I think Brené Brown describes it beautifully. She says she's a recovering perfectionist and an aspiring good enoughist. And she describes it like being a perfectionist or carrying around this idea of perfectionism is like lugging a 20-ton shield with you everywhere you go, you know, and just holding the weight of it all the time. So I think you need to have women in your lives, whoever they are, where you put the shield down, where you lower the mask and you go, do you know what? I think I really stuffed up today. It was it was a it was a pretty shocker shocker of a day. It just didn't work. This was wrong. I, st- I yelled at my kids. I forgot this. I did that, and I just need to be loved. <laughs> I just need to know that even when I'm broken, there's something innately worthy within me. Mm-hmm. And it's so I'm really lucky. I have these beautiful women who we started a small group um, almost 14 years ago after World Youth Day. And we just kind of got together and it started as, you know, we were doing a little course together. We were doing Theology of the Body with Christopher West and then it was really fun. So we went on to another one and a few more and then we just loved it. And we loved not just the content we were doing, that became really secondary. We loved just coming together in this space of women and just being very, very real with one another and witnessing to one another's lives. And so we have met every Sunday night for almost 14 years. And we come together. Oh, it's unbelievable. We can, and it's just total grace. It's, you know, there's just, there's nothing hard about it. It's just the grace of the Holy Spirit. But we come together, we drink champagne on everyone's birthdays. We drink tea on other Sundays. We always bake. What's happening? How are you going? What's your prayer life like this week? Just all over it. And you just go there and you can just see everybody breathe a sigh of relief because there's no masks here. We are who we are. Yeah. And the wounds just get cleared out. They get brought into the light. Yeah. That is so necessary. It's like um, it's it's gives you the it restores your heart for the next for the battle ahead. Yes, <laughs> like armoring up without without physical armor. It's just restoring, and I think yeah. that's what women need. They need restoration, and they yeah. need reformation. Then their hearts need to be reformed because they need. I think for so long we have kind of like we've kind of grown up I'm probably not definitely not your group of 14 strong but women have they've tried to compete with men they've tried yeah. to become men and they have forgotten their feminine genius their feminine qualities their, their the beauty of a feminine heart um and it's not saying that men are 
are better than us and we're better than them. It's just that we're different and we need to respect the differences and not try and compete or compare or, or um, change to become like them because we never will be. Um, yeah. with, with men and even with each other. So my, like I love how you explained before, we have a different, everyone has a different fiat. So my yes looks different to your yes. And so I don't need to look at it in fear and worry that I, my life doesn't look like yours. That's okay. You know, mm. flower, flowers bloom where they're planted and they don't compare to one another and go, oh gosh, I should look like that one. They just bloom. They're just they gorgeous where they are. Beautiful. Yes, that's right. Even, even the ugliest or the, not the ugliest, but the, the most common of flowers is so incredibly intricate and beautiful. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a flower kind of person. I I walk around looking at the flowers. I know. I know. It's sad. Beautiful. But it's, it's, oh, it's beautiful. wonderful. It's beautiful. I just love flowers. I'm a bit of a, yeah. What did St. Therese, as you say, you can't compare because, you know, a ro you can't always want to be a rose or something. Do you know that? Oh, uh, I don't know it by heart, but I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, we all can't be roses. But yeah. We, we the garden loses its beauty if it doesn't have the variety or something like that. I Absolutely. Don't know. That's, Absolutely. That's, humanity loses its beauty if you're not who you are. Yeah, that's it. If you're not living out your fiat instead of mm. trying to look over your shoulder at someone else's. Mm, mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So getting back to our daughters. Yeah. How do we... Because yeah. I've seen, I've seen in, in like in the seasons of my life, my that I had those kind of wounds. If they're not, you said, um, you can't, you can't move on with that wound and not think that it doesn't kind of carry on to the next season. Absolutely. It kind of, manifests itself differently maybe but it is still there so how do we if we don't have those Sunday night gatherings or yeah. how do we find somebody how, for our children ourselves how do we find someone to be vulnerable with yeah sure um so you, you start with you because you understand that you're the model you're the model for these beautiful daughters or these other women in your life that might be nieces or friends of you know, daughters, friends, whoever it is. So you start with yourself and you you connect. You find other women who are like you. You listen to podcasts like yours and you hear women who are being authentic and real and you acknowledge, I am not alone in this. What I have to say, who I am, the life I'm leading has value, regardless of what it looks like or sounds like to someone else whose life is different to mine. So you connect yourself in different ways. You connect in, you, you seek help as well. If it's a wound that's been carrying around for a while, you seek professional support. And I one of the things I've loved about COVID, and there's very few I've got to tell you, is that it has come out of the shadows. Help has come out of the shadows, seeking mental health support, seeking relationship support. It's become like going to the dentist. It's become like a checkup. Whereas for many, many years, it's been something that was sort of hidden or a little bit wrong. Or we sure we should be able to sort that out on our own, you know? Whereas if it was anything else, if it was a sore tooth, if it was a funny noise in our car, we would just, we'd go. We'd sort it out immediately. 
And there's now more permission to do that and more access to do that. So if you're in a regional Australian town, there's telehealth available for you. You know, there's just so many options that are there for you. So don't feel like you're stuck feeling alone. Get support through podcast friends and professionals. And then once you've done that, kind of go, okay. And of course, prayer. There's this beautiful phrase that I love. It's from Marion Williamson. She says, what we place on the altar becomes altered. And I just love it. So sometimes we've just got to put it down, look at it in the light of day, go, do you know what? That's a lie I've carried around for a really long time. It doesn't belong to me. It's not mine to carry anymore. God, I put it down. It's yours. Your shoulders are big enough to take it and mine aren't. It's yours. And you might have to put it down every day until you finally remember that you don't have to pick it up again. And that's okay. It becomes a practice. It becomes a process. I've I've heard um, so what we put place on the altar becomes altered. Is it? Yeah, yeah. How beautiful! I heard I've heard once the crosses that we don't pick up, our children end up picking them up. Oh yes. Oh, that's yeah. True. Like the, the the crosses that we don't carry, they end up carrying. So the um, wounds that we ignore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just yeah. thought. Oh, man, that's powerful too. Oh, absolutely. But there's so much much redemption there because you can't pick it up now, you know, or or lay it on the altar. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sort out your stuff so that your kids don't have to Mm. is kind of the core of it right there. Yeah. Yeah, because they're watching, you know, they're those little mirrors who are watching everything you do. And if you... I think sometimes we feel like we have to hide it from our kids. And by no means do I mean unpack everything in front of them and, and make it inappropriate. Gosh, that's definitely not what I mean. But I think it's okay that they see you learn how to manage something, that they see you consciously change your behaviour to the way that you're talking about yourself, that they watch what it looks like to heal. I think that's okay. Yeah, that is so hard because that's vulnerability <sighs> right there in front of that yes. mirror. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yesterday, this 10-year-old who I've been talking about, she has this, you know, she's the youngest girl and she wants to be like the older ones and she they watch things that she can't watch and it's unfair and she's in, she can't, anyway. So she's, you know, hop out, get out, you know, you're not allowed in here. So it's like no one wants me, I, I'm, you know, I'm the brat type thing. Anyway, yesterday I was out, um, we're at Terrigal, so we're in an apartment and I was outside gardening my little garden. I've got a a, a balcony garden that I tend to when I come up here, so it needed a bit of work because I haven't been up for a few weeks, months. Anyway, I was listening to an audio book with my pods, my ear pods, and she was asking me a question. I said, and I had dirty hands covered in dirt I said I can't hear you you're gonna have to take them out anyway so she took it out she asked me the question and she put it back in my ear but didn't put it in properly and it fell out and it's now downstairs under the table of somebody's apartment and they're not there oh no I can see it it, but I can't get it so she's oh see I'm hopeless I'm stupid you know I can't you, you know, what did she say? Something. This is why everyone hates me. I'm thinking, and I was really angry that she, she dropped it down there. But poor kid, it was an accident. But I had to kind of like 
I was really angry and disappointed. Now I can't listen to my book and <laughs> all the consequences. Um, but it took me a good maybe hour to kind of realise that actually it was a, an accident. So initially, like, it was like, oh, thanks so much. Look what I've done now. I can't get that. So I have to kind of change. I have to go back and revisit that, go back to her and apologise for my behaviour. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard to do. Oh, it is so hard to do. But it is. it was going to be one of the most powerful, formative things for her. To have someone, yeah, to have someone not come back. Be, not half hard. Oh, that's all right. It was an accident. I have to yeah. now because that's what I did, right? Let's yeah. be honest. I, this yeah. is my counselling session, so you might. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to be really sincere. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And say, you know, about yesterday. Don't worry about it. It's just an earpod. Christmas is next week. Maybe I can ask that. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I wasn't I wasn't my best self, Megan. <laughs> and how beautiful to be able to say that, you know, because we look at the Instagram perfect pictures, especially around Christmas time, of everybody making, you know, their beautiful Christmas stockings together and the smiling faces and the perfectly coiffed hair. And we look at it and we go, Oh gosh, my behind the scenes does not look like their highlight reel. And of course it doesn't. Neither does theirs. That's yeah. okay. That's okay. But you have these real moments, these teachable formation moments with your kids. That is just such precious time, such precious time. Okay. After this recording, I'm going to go out and... <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, that's so valuable. You're modelling for her exactly what she needs to do then when that happens. <laughs> oh, when you... I'm trusting you will. I'm just... I believe in you. Um, it's so important. And I think, look, that's one of the things that we do. You're saying, how do we help our kids? We yeah. show them. We show them what it looks like to get angry and to be frustrated and then to kind of go, okay, I've dealt with the emotion of it. I, do you know what? Fair call. I was angry. I really liked that. I really liked that effort. Um, and then to go, but darling, I know it was an accident. I know there was no intention behind it to make, you know, we all make mistakes. One of the things that I do with my girls is I tell them a story because kids learn through stories so often, mm. um, sometimes more than me trying to lay out the facts, you know. I'll be like, do you know what, darling, I remember. I remember when I was nine, I broke a vase at my mum's house and I remember she was so cranky and this happened and I felt just awful. And my little girls would be like, what? You did it once too? You made a mistake? You did the wrong thing? And I'd be like, yeah, I did. And I felt, oh, I felt so terrible. And I had to go and apologize and walk through it all. And it's just so lovely. In that same way that we need women to remind us we're not alone, so do they. They need to be reminded that they're not alone in their big feelings or their big mistakes because that's what being a kid is. You know, you're building your identity based on the wins and the failures as you go along. And to have a parent who can say, darling, I've walked where you've walked. You're actually doing pretty well. It's okay. We're going to walk through it together. I'll, I'll give you the guideposts along the way. It's really powerful. All right. Well, I better put up some guideposts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, Megan. Now, before we go, I just want to ask one question, one, one last question. Um, what is it do you think that women need to hear? Oh, okay. What do they need to hear? 
Okay. I know I haven't, I haven't, I haven't prepped you for this. That's okay. No, no, that's all right. Do you know what? I the thing feel... that, yeah, the thing that I comes to mind, so I'm going to trust that this is the right word now, but um, I think it's that you can be a masterpiece and a work in progress at the same time. Mm. So, yeah, you can be enough, wonderful, beautiful, powerful, strong, valuable, important and purposeful and be working through a whole lot of stuff at the exact same time. One does not discount the other. Oh, I'm going to write that down. I think that's the that's the title of this podcast. Actually. Oh, perfect. <laughs> be a masterpiece and a work in progress at the same time. Yes. Beautiful. How lovely. Um, well, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. And you. your wisdom and your encouragement. <laughs> And, and your guidance. <laughs> it was a pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. Um, but before we go, yeah. I ask all my guests to tell us something that brought you joy this week. So I was wondering if you could think of anything at all yes. that has brought you joy this week. Uh, yes, absolutely. Well, look, this is the week leading up to Christmas and it's just, mm-hmm. uh, just beyond anything my favourite time of the whole year. And I have these two little girls who are at the point where they're just in and they're just joyful about the whole thing. And we have little Christmas traditions that we have at our house. And one of them is to make gingerbread houses for every event that we go to. And oh, wow. so just, I know, oh my God, well, every major event. We tend to make about four or five over the season, right? Wow. And so we made, very recently, we made a gingerbread house together. And when it's, you know, when it's you making it yourself, you can get it done quite quickly. When you've got the help, in inverted commas, mm-hmm. of two small people, it takes about four times as long. Holy moly. Mm-hmm. But there was just this joyful moment where there are Christmas carols in the background, our lights are twinkling, and my kids are just helping make this gingerbread house. And it wasn't perfect. There was sniping. There was little, that's my lolly, you know, that sort of thing. But I just wanted to just capture it and just think, oh, this moment where I've got two little girls who are wanting to do this with me is not going to last forever. I just wanted to mm-hmm. bottle that feeling. So, yeah, that's mine. How beautiful. That's so yeah. lovely. Um, I'm doing a an initiative next year starting on the 1st of January which is um surprised by joy uh hashtag surprised by joy and just uh, I'm going to post a picture every day of something that has brought me joy um hoping to see that it goes from you know big moments of joy to really just enjoying very very simple mundane things because joy is everywhere if you look for it yeah yeah, so that's what I'm surprised by, Joy. You can join. Oh, um, but what brought me joy was my little boy. He, um, we were just in the ocean before and he's been frightened of the water forever. And just in the last, um, he had um, grommets. So before he had grommets, he was frightened of the noise. So he never really, he kind of hated the ocean and and just you know he's gotten used to the water but wouldn't really go out by himself and just before recording this he was I had to drag him in because he was out diving under the waves and all out the back past the breakers and it just shows you what um you know whatever you face um when you overcome that fear of what might be and just dive in and say yes, have your fear, 
um, yeah. life becomes enjoyable, you know? We see these big waves and are frightened and scared, but if you know, you know, if you know how to navigate it, you can you can withstand anything and there, there, there comes joy there. And he was just, he was loving it. Whereas this time last year, he was, there's no way, you just stand on the edge and, but it was so beautiful to see him diving and all by himself. It was lovely. Oh, oh that's delightful. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that brought me joy. So thank you, Megan. Thank and you. have a wonderful Christmas. Thank you, you too. What houses are you going to make? Uh, well, we've got two more left this week. So two ready to go. So I'm, I'm excited. It's going to be great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Megan. Have a lovely Christmas. Thank you, you too. Bye. Bye. All right. I'll stop.